Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Hey everybody, Stefan here. This episode is sponsored by the great folks over at Box Mountain. Box Mountain is a subscription box service that has my favorite sub box yet, the Cryptid Crate. You see, Josh got one of these for his birthday, and I was super jealous because it was packed full of merchandise pertaining to cryptids. The box he received first was all about the Flatwoods Monster, which of course is one of our favorites. And it had a t-shirt, a book, a patch, mug, and some awesome stickers. So I checked out the price to get one for myself, and let me tell you, it is well worth the value. These make excellent gifts for yourself or even friends that are cryptid lovers as well. Now, if you use the coupon code FEARSCAPE, you will get 25% off the first month for any new subscription or 10% off individual purchases. So go ahead and head on over to FearscapePodcast.com slash CryptidCrate now and get yourself one today. The SCP multiverse is under constant assault, and destruction can come at any moment. Therefore, having just one database is a folly the Foundation can no longer accept. Join Dr. Kevin Milgram and SCP-073, Kane, as they create an oral history of the SCP Foundation in Memories of Kane, an SCP story, hosted by Daniel Doremus. For should the Foundation fall, the unkillable first murderer of man will live on. New episodes drop every second Wednesday of the month on the Fearscape Media Network. Visit fearscapemedia.com for more information. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that it seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another fantastic adventure on Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. This is Stefan Gearhart. I am your host, as usual, and I am joined, as always, by my sidekick with the uh, the haircut that uh, makes Mo from uh, the Three Stooges feel jealous, Mr. Josh Relage. I-, I thought I was going to go with Mo from from the simpsons and uh, pretty similar pretty well no mo has a jew fro doesn't he yeah he's he's got the fro going on i do not have a fro um my my uncle uh had a fro in the 70s and uh what happened to it did he he lose it no he changed it he just you know like (laughs) like there's there's like pictures of him in the 70s with a fro and then you fast forward five or six years and he's just got like a bowl cut I don't know how he went from fro to bow cut, but I don't the know. Ma- there was magic in play or something. So. There had to be. Uh, but uh, Josh, welcome. 
Brandon. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I uh, feel welcome. You should. Uh, we have a neat little show uh, tonight. Uh, thank you guys for uh, your patience with us uh, missing a show last week. I was sicker than a dog, and it wasn't even COVID. What? Wasn't even COVID. You mean people get sick other than COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. There's no vaccine for food poisoning, though. Let me tell you. It's not. It's just binge. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So uh, anyways, uh, we got a neat little show for you tonight. We actually have the director of a new docuseries, a paranormal docuseries, uh, getting ready to premiere down the road here on uh, on also premiering on lore.tv, which is soon to be a streaming service here. Uh, Dark Holler is the name of the docuseries and the director is Ward Heine. And we are super excited about this uh, takes place in Appalachia, which, you know, us having Kentucky roots, we're super excited. Plus all of our West Virginia folks. Um, and I know Appalachia is more than just Kentucky and West Virginia, but still we claim well, it as ours. I'm going to need you to pick a pronunciation because first you said Appalachia. Well, I go back. You said I, Appalachia. I, went, I, I chose both on purpose because I didn't want to leave anybody out. Well, what if it's Appalachia or Appalachia? That's the Italian <laughs> no, version. We don't we don't pronounce anything the way it's supposed to be pronounced in Kentucky. That, <laughs> I know. that would never be the case. It's, it's Apple. It's actually Appalachia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I live over in Appalachia. Apple. I mean, I mean, Michael has a ch, and we say we pronounce it like a k. Yep. So maybe it is supposed to be Appalachia. Appalachia. It also sounds like this is my daughter Appalachia. <laughs> <laughs> Appalachian Daniel Boone. I don't know. <laughs> <That's my daughter. laughs> you just go with like a bunch of random Appalachian names now. Okay? Yep. So. Appalachian Black Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> From I don't Hazard. Know. From Hazard. I don't know. From Hazard. Um, anyways, yeah. So we've got uh, we've got Ward coming on the show. We're super excited about that. Um, but of course, before we get to all that jazz, we want to remind you guys to uh, you know get out there and like, review, rate. All that stuff. Share the damn thing and uh, make sure share to tell it. people far and wide. Far go tell and it on, wide. Go tell um, it on the mountain. But yeah, stop what you're doing. Go review the show on Apple Podcasts, man. That's one of the most badass places or iHeartMedia. Some of those places you can review really helps us out. Um, we'll be here. We'll be here waiting for you when you get back. Um, yeah. And we're waiting. And welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, Thank, yeah. You Thank, you. Thank you for your review. Thank you for your review. Hundred thousand yeah. of them. No, uh, but yeah, just want to remind you of that. But anyways, let's get to our um, let's get to our segments of the week because I got a good one for uh, for psychic word of the week. And now the psychic word of the week. So psychic word of the week, as usual, comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from uh, Dr. June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey bear. I love you, but I never knew you. Um, I flipped through the pages right before we started, and uh, I landed on page 42. Oh. Um, yeah, 42. I wanted to, we usually hit the middle so often that I wanted to hit the front, so I kind of stopped there. Um, and the phrase that grabbed my attention was astral currents. Astral currents. Now this is this is like currents, like the currents in a stream, not currency, right? This Correct. Is not, it's not the money not you like, use while you're not in like the astral plane, the, and not like the fruit either. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, astral currents, an ethereal substance able to act upon the physical and astral plane atoms to bring about a coherent, agreeable vibrational frequency that the psychic can perceive. A number of parallel lines of astral substance extending from the psychic to the scene of viewing. A tube that is formed according to the will of the psychic, whether he or she intends to see into the past, present, or future. Tubes cause a physiological process to take place in the psychic's body to bring him or her the clairvoyant pictures and impressions. So essentially, it's the pathway um, from the astral plane to the psychic brain is what it what it seems yeah. to me. It, it reminds me of like the tubes of time there in uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Like that's what, what it reminds me of. Now, you know, what really strikes me uh, the most about uh, all the stuff in this book is that uh, it all has has to have existed for someone to say, this is what happened to me so that June G. Bletzer could assign it a meaning or term. I know this is why I'm sad she's gone, because I would have killed to know the research that went into yeah. this and the folks that she talked to. Like, that's man. That's what I wish. Also, um, new uh, cryptocurrency, astral coin. Astral <laughs> Astro, get that on there now. <laughs> Dogecoin's about to drop, y'all. I'm telling you, it's time for Astrocoin, man. You got to get on there. That Doge, he's he's old. You know, got to put him down. So, no. sorry about that. No. <laughs> Thank far. you, Junji Bletzer. Uh, so, all right. Well, let's get into our next segment, which is I got a little spooky news to kind of follow up uh, kind of last, last week's episode. So, let's get into some spooky news. All right, so uh, for Spooky News this week, like I said, got some uh, follow-up here to the UAP investigation. Uh, this dropped recently. Uh, this is on a number of websites. You can find this anywhere, uh, but especially in Indiana because Indiana rep uh, Representative um, Aunt Andre Carson is calling for further investigation into the UFO sightings. Uh, Indiana Congressman Andre Carson is calling for a deeper investigation into UFOs. On this past Sunday's Face the Nation on CBS, Carson said he wants congressional hearings on the issue following a declassified Pentagon report on dozens of sightings that cannot be explained. In their report, U.S. intelligence and defense officials did not list outer space or extraterrestrial life as possible explanations for the sightings, but they also didn't explicitly rule it out. In an interview Wednesday, Carson said it is a national security issue. If there is technology out there that we cannot explain, that has huge implications for the safety and security of the American people, said Republican, Car or excuse me, Representative Carson, uh, who is a Democrat, by the way, uh, who chairs the subcommittee on counterintelligence and counterproliferation on the House Intelligence Committee. The recent Pentagon report shows, of course, we know this 144 sightings of UAPs since 2004. Uh, this report says only one could be explained. Uh, Carson says, even though the report didn't give us all the answers, I think it's very significant because it represents a huge shift in the way our intelligence handles the issue. Before the report was released, Carson chaired a classified briefing for his subcommittee on the findings. He says, when we take UAPs more seriously and treat it like a potential security risk that it is, it brings us closer to getting answers. 
Uh, U.S. officials cited several possible reasons for the sightings in their report. Of course, we talked about this last week, like ice crystals and airborne clutter. Uh, uh, Carson said, although it didn't explicitly list an extraterrestrial explanation, it is not completely off the table in a wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of way. Uh, I think a lot of folks would like for us to say that the sightings are extraterrestrial. The intelligence community says that we can't completely rule that out, but it's clear we have to do a lot more digging. Uh, He has also not been able to give a timeline yet for when there will be more hearings on ufos so interesting yeah so i mean he flat out says if we don't treat it like a threat we're never going to find out which is what we've talked about right i mean that's that's the whole mode of Mm -hmm. delivery whether or not it's a threat doesn't matter we have to treat it like it's a threat so that it gets funding and resources and all that jazz we do not the military does not spend money on peace no, the Peace Corps does, yeah. but that's but that's different. I don't think there's a UAP report coming from the Peace Corps. There should be one, though. Man, that would be great. <laughs> the Peace Corps or Greenpeace or Space Peace. Yeah, Space Peace would be Space the next. Peace. I would join. Right. I would have joined Space Peace right out of school, man. Go up there and like you know bring protect food the, to like the poor aliens on yeah. the dark side of the moon, like protect you know. the galactic whales and stuff. Yes, yeah. yes. Yes, man, I would have done that so quick. I mean, you know, and a quick side news. I don't think we need to cover it. But of course, uh, Richard Branson from Virgin went up into outer space, essentially the first civilian to go into outer space, um, which Simpsons predicted like 15 years ago. Of course, yeah, it, I think it was it was his second time, right? And he didn't go into outer space. He went into the edge of space. And that, there is huge debate on that. But yes, yes, yes. That, you know, it all depends because there is no true defining line as to where space starts. I was reading in an article and it is heavily debated. So, but according to him and his scientific folks, he did indeed go to space. But well, yeah, one article was like, well, unless he goes to space and orbits the earth, it don't count. Well, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, he has all the money. He will write, he will make the history, whatever it needs to be. So, yep, that's a fact. And then, you know, Bezos is supposed to be going up like next month or something. So, yeah, what he's he's actually going to outer space, not to the edge of space. You tell that to, you tell that to Branson. Like, I don't know. like Branson went to the beach, stuck his toe <laughs> in the water. It was like, I went to space. Hey, I, I would do it. That's still space. Your toe still got wet. Like, that's, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's still cool. Like, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. So, but anyways, let's get moving on. That's, that's our uh, that's our spooky news for the week. So, uh, you know, this guy was on the, the classified committee. So he knows even more than we do. And he's like, we need to be looking into this more. So is that what he sounds like? Yeah, I'm okay. from Indiana, and I'm one of the few Democrats here. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's get moving on, because I want to get to, uh, which we haven't been to. Yeah, hurry up. Get to the part of mine. I know. We want to get to Cryptid of the Week. It's been a minute, so let's get to Cryptid of the Week. Hi, y'all. It's the Jersey Devil. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Cryptid. Of the week. Hey y'all, it's the Jersey Devil. Just want to say hi y'all. And Josh, I just wanted to say that I think your haircut looks beautiful. Why, uh, thank you, uh, JD. I think it looks just like mine. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I just saying. Anyways, I'll let you go. I just want you to get to talking about my friends. 
you know, uh, I was thinking the other day, uh, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, the first one. I um, love that movie. The somebody needs to get the the Wally World hat because that is ripe for transitioning to a Jersey Devil hat. Oh my God, yes! You need to tell Santosh. He would make that for me in a heartbeat. You know, he's drawn <laughs> me nude a couple times. He <laughs> does. He draw you like his French girls. Oh my God, yes! <laughs> All right. Uh, so oh, tonight, a microphone back. All right. Uh, so tonight's uh, cryptid comes from Kenya, South Africa. You know, Kenya and South Africa. That's where Obama's from. <laughs> you keep your conspiracies to yeah, really. yourself, man. I didn't figure he'd be the type, but okay. I think he just reads stuff. He's from Jersey. Um, so this is the dingo neck. A dingo neck ate my baby. That's no, what that's... I was thinking. I was like, are they in Kenya too? Or just their necks? Yeah, I don't know. So it's um, it's a cat-like uh, creature that's aquatic, uh, also known as the jungle walrus. Um, so it says the most experts consider the dingo neck to be the stuff of legends. An unconfirmed report suggests the painting in a cave in South Africa matches the cryptid's description almost exactly. It was first uh, accounted for in 1907 uh, by, in Kenya uh, by an explorer, John Alfred Jordan. And um, he saw it on the uh, banks of the River Magori. Uh, he led his employer to the river's edge to witness the fearsome beast. When Jordan saw the monster, he shot but only grazed an ear. The angry dangle neck roared as the frightened men ran away. Mm. Um, adventurer author Edgar Beecher Bronson. God bless you. Recounted Gordon's, or excuse me, Jordan's alleged encounter in a fireside chat in his 1910 book, Enclosed Territory. Um, but yeah, I mean, it It basically is a, uh, the, the depiction that it has here is a, Almost like a, a cat with an armad like an armadillo shell on its back. Uh, That's kind of cool, but uh, colored and marked like a leopard. Yeah, I'm totally a, digging that. And a broad fin tail. So, um, yeah, the dingo Man. neck. Dingo neck from Kenya. Kenya, Not and South related Africa. Related to Obama. Whew. Man, tell you what, some people. Some people may. Uh, I, I never seen the dingle neck. Uh, 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 but that's kind of sound like George Bush. Never mind. Yeah, it's, I take don't, it back. Don't ever do impressions. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get moving on. Obviously, I've ruined everyone's life with my terrible yeah. Obama uh, accent. So, you know, you ruined mine. Shut up. Anyways, let's go ahead and get to Ward, uh, director of Dark Holler. We'll be back in two seconds. Hello, Blanket Huggers. Stefan here. On March 28th, 2021, Josh and I received a message through our website's Submit a Sighting form from someone claiming to be Terry R. Wrist, the man referenced in Hell Here, and the man interviewed by Alan Greenfield in Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. From there, we received a number of cryptic emails filled with information on places to search for answers to the larger mystery of the quest and journey Josh and I have been on. So we decided, fake or not, we should take it seriously, as much of the information given panned out, 
and definitely opened our eyes to many new things. So we enlisted the help of Astral Stew co-host Santosh and Fearscape guest and Greenfield's publisher Olaf Phillips. Together the four of us have been digging deeper and deeper into not only the true identity of our source of paranormal gold, whether he is THE Terry Rist or not, but also into the mystery of the information given us. It has led us to some amazing doors into such things as the Secret Space Program, Hollow Earth, Darrow and Tarot, caves, underground bases, government cover-ups and conspiracies, and so much more. So if you would like to learn more about these emails, Terry's advice on where to look for more high strangeness, and our conversations and discoveries thus far, please become a monthly subscriber to our Patreon called Wristwatch at fearscapepodcast.com support or patreon.com slash fearscapepod. There you can get access to the emails themselves, the WhatsApp conversation about it all with Josh, myself, Santosh, and Olaf, and even any new clues that we have found. You can even join the investigation and add anything you have found to help us dive deeper into the mystery. You will also get access to other Fearscape-related things, such as extended interviews with guests not aired on the show, early access to Estes sessions with us and friends, and so much more. Wristwatch is a Patreon exclusive for our most dedicated fans. Join today and discover why the truth is now. And thank you guys so much for sticking around. We are back. Fearscape, yay. We are here with uh, Ward Heine, like we had talked about, director of Dark Holler. Um, and uh, the very first question, Ward, uh, which you say hi real quick. Do your thing. Say hi. Hi. Uh, I am Ward Heine, and I'm excited to be here. Good. Okay. Now that's out of the way. Uh, Josh and I were having a debate over uh, Appalachia. Is it Appalachia or Appalachia? Uh, if you're from there, it's Appalachia. See, ooh, that's what I said first. Well, see, I, we were talking about how Michael, you know, Michael has a CH. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe it's Appalachia. Maybe it's Appalachia. I mean, you know. Because we're from Kentucky. We've heard it both ways. I mean, it's it's both. And that's well, I've never heard like, it Appalachia. I've never heard well, that. Well, not Appalachia. I'm talking about Appalachia or Appalachia. Where in Kentucky? Uh, I'm in the Louisville area. I've got I a mean, family zone. Shelby we went County to school, and, I mean, all over the place, Campbellsville and, you yeah. know, Central Kentucky. We've got Lexington friends. I've got a ton of friends from Paintsville and all kinds of places. And um, I've heard I've about got, I used to travel yeah. with Kentucky Shakespeare, so I've been everywhere. <laughs> Monticello, <laughs> Somerset, Lexington, Asheville. The whole, the whole We're yeah. from the whole state, Ward. Just, <laughs> I, I am Kentucky, basically. I, <laughs> <laughs> my... My theory would be the further east you go, the more likely it would be Appalachia. I agree with that. Or even the further west. And let me tell you, Western Kentucky uh, accents are very interesting because they can get real hangy too. But at the same time, it kind of it's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird one. Like mixes well, into Tennessee over there at a certain point, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And a little bit of you know, Louisville's just essentially Louisville's the only thing we say twangy. Everything else sounds like it's from Toledo, Ohio. So um, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Louisville's <laughs> like the only uh, um, I don't know you, you could almost separate it out from the rest of Kentucky so mm-hmm. even Lexington which is a big city still is like we don't count it yeah <laughs> is Louisville's right across the city from or right across the uh, river from Cincinnati right no nope, it's down river, uh, about an hour and a half you're uh, thinking of Newport <clears throat> uh, Covington yeah. Newport is right there 
And then so Louisville's, um, Louisville's crossed the river from uh, Jeffersonville, Indiana, New Albany, um, Clarksville. Yep. And then further okay. down is where you get to Evansville and Paducah. Those that that area yeah. where the clawed beast of the Ohio is. <laughs> so anyway, we don't cover weird shit at all. On the show. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't talk about any of that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I, I guess to kind of get the conversation started here a little bit. So. Um, you know, of course, you're on the show. Uh, you're you're directing, uh, directing, directing, uh, dark collars. You know, a little more Kentucky came out there. Um, so, the uh, the question that I would have is, you know, <clears throat> is this something that you know you were asked to direct? Like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, sure, I'll do it because it sounds interesting, or because you know you're really into this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I guess probably I think like a lot of people that lived through 2020, it was kind of. Um, I guess our threshold for what we could just file away as crazy, uh, that threshold got a lot higher. Um, And I think a lot of people felt that way. Um, And so I experienced that too. And at the same time I was being like, you know, working from home, not able to go anywhere, had a lot of time to like read and start looking at stuff and you know, I had never really seriously looked at even really stuff that's not controversial at all. Like MK Ultra existed, and mm-hmm. um, you know, Operation Paperclip, like all that stuff was real. And uh, you know, I was only familiar with it as stupid as it sounds, as like you know the subplot to movies. <laughs> and um, right. so, like in the middle of that, um, I saw sort of toward the tail end of running down the rabbit holes, I saw uh, Hellier. Um, and I had a friend of mine who had, uh, he was a minister at a small church that he had planted in Southern West Virginia. And I'd known him for a few years. And that location is maybe 45 minutes-ish from Hellier in Logan. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just sort of asked him, you know, this place seems weird. I grew up... Um, maybe 45 minutes north of that in West Virginia. Um, and so I have, but it's it's a significant 45 minutes. You guys know the geographical distinctions between places that are relatively close together on a map. Oh, yeah. Still significant. So. Oh, yeah. We've been all through West Virginia as well. I mean, Kentucky back roads are very similar. <laughs> yeah. So, like, um, anyway, I, in the middle, I was like, this guy, you know, has, has lived in that area. And I was kind of like, you know, what do you think about the this paranormal stuff generally and you know being down there have you seen anything or experienced anything and um he kind of uh like we kind of danced around the subject for a little bit but then he was eventually came out and and said well uh i came to or i have come to believe that a couple weeks ago i performed an exorcism uh sort of like quasi by accident in a baptism so oh that doesn't make so baptism by fire is what we're talking about. Here, this so. is already uh, <laughs> a Spanish like what do they call those telenovela? I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> well, when they say not uh, by accident isn't quite accurate, I guess he had been like looking back in in church history, trying to go mm-hmm. trying to go back, and had discovered that like uh, we're Protestant, but he had looked at Luther. 
And apparently for a few years after uh, the beginning of the Reformation, Luther would, with all of his baptisms, perform a lesser rite of exorcism with the baptism. And uh, I did not know that. Yeah, and every baptism just was that. It was perceived I guess that as that makes sense, yeah. And so uh, he, you know, he had been studying that and sort of considering implementing it. And this family that was in his church, who's um, the people that went to his church, they had a sister who had been like super heavy, started with just like Wicca and then got like super heavy hoodoo conjure work. And to the point where people in her family, and I didn't get the whole story why at the time, but people in her family thought that she might be experiencing, uh, something oppression or possession or something and so he thought okay i guess if you know this has been kind of put in front of me uh to start doing this start practicing this way this is a good person to start with and so he met with her and they did the baptism there's several like weird things that occurred during the baptism and to the point that um you know he didn't say anything immediately after the baptism because that would be like kind of rude, right? Like, <laughs> hey, I think your sister was possessed. And it also like, it would be kind of narcissistic to be like, I just conducted an exorcism. <laughs> but um, like there was enough weird stuff in the baptism itself that the people there witnessing it afterward were calling him and being like, uh, what happened there? Do you think something might have come out of her why was the water boiling (laughs) (laughs) and uh anyway he got enough of those calls and then when she there was also like drug use involved and that's part of but anyway there was also drug use involved and so she went to rehab immediately after her baptism came back um when she came back uh he still wasn't saying this right other people were saying it to him and she uh, she said it. She came out and said, I was delivered in my baptism from possession. And so at that point, he was like, well, I mean, I, this is what, you know, I have multiple witnesses asking me. This is the closest category I have for what mm-hmm. happened. And, and she is, according to everyone around her, is dramatically different. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, I mean, War. I'm going to tell you right now. You had me at accidental exorcism. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was already in, man. Like, and then just that explanation, I'm in 100. percent Like, you bring in Appalachia, you bring in small churches. I'm in 100. percent I and especially knowing this dude knows his church history. I really. I mean, I'm I'm pagan and Buddhist and things, but I still have a very big fascination with church history and things like that. Just history in general, but especially world religions. And I'm just already fascinated. I like I said, I'm in. We can end this now. And I just want to watch the show. So that sounds absolutely amazing. Without you even talking about the drama yet. Well, it's weird, right? Because, it, yeah, I mean, you guys know, like churches in that area, you can get small churches that do some crazy, some crazy shit. Oh yeah, you know, dance with snakes, all that kind of mm-hmm. jazz. So yeah, I've walked out of like some places where people started like speaking in tongues, and it oh. got weird. Oh yeah, but not not Louisville. down there. Louisville surprisingly has a 
huge Pentecostal like um, population. It's insane. Uh, and then yeah. I lived in the outskirts of Louisville when I was in high school, right off the county line, way out in the kind of, if there's a sticks in Louisville, it's where I lived. And across the street was a snake handling church, man. And they were always getting busted by the cops all the time. <laughs> and that's yeah. in Louisville, man. Like, right. Uh, that's the thing. You know, when you get even like more <laughs> off the cut. Yeah. Shoo-wee. Yeah, so and it's not what my it's not one of those yeah. churches. Like I would very right. easily write that off as like, yeah, okay, you yeah, know, I'm I'm sure, mm-hmm. but it's a very like uh, buttoned up, uh, like reformed tradition. He wears a collar. Oh yeah, the second you said the man knew his church history, I yeah. knew it was good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so anyway, I went down and initially, like, I only planned on. I had just gotten a camera and I have this background in like uh, helping with documentaries. I, I worked on several of them on different subjects, not nothing like this. And um, I had just gotten a camera to do freelance work with. And I was like, well, this is kind of a cool story. Like let's go down and maybe it's just like a, I don't know, a 10 minute thing on YouTube or something. But, mm-hmm. um, and then I've always kind of had this uh, dream ever since, you know, growing up in West Virginia of doing something that kind of felt uh, that felt like, home to me mm-hmm. so a lot of the aesthetic is kind of informed by that just the kind of um like the leftover industrial revolution that's no longer there like a dying coal yeah. that kind of thing yep. so is um because i think in the in the trailers that i've seen uh it seems a lot of the the uh, scenery seems to be very, very west virginia you know you spoke about you know your, your roots in west virginia um is is the docuseries primarily it says Appalachia but is it primarily based in West Virginia yeah right now so what happened was we went down to shoot that story and uh, one of the people that experienced a lot of stuff the nights leading up to Kristen's baptism exorcism was her mom and so we couldn't interview her that day so I had to come back later and when I came back and finally got to talk to her mom um, the same like I don't know if I'm comfortable saying the same entity. Like you guys know when we're, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. There's like things, you know, right. Yeah. And then there's things you make sense. And then there's stuff that like you suspect. Right. That, yeah. Well, and we've even talked a number of times. Cause like one of a very famous haunting is a smurl haunting. And it's something we've been looking into a lot more was that there was a demon in the house that possessed spirits in the house. So there were times they didn't know if that was their grandmother that was there, or if it was the demon possessing the ghost of their grandma. So it, it gets crazy. So you just say the spirit perceived right. to be the same entity. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. The spirit perceived that I'm guessing. Yeah. Like it behaves according to a pattern, right? Right. And that apparently has been at least three generations back in their family has been a thing that manifests a lot of the same ways and a lot of the same like high strangeness kind of phenomenon mm-hmm. like for example uh like birds that are biologically too large to be where they are doing what they're doing um weird encounters with owls um the like the name of the entity comes up a lot but the uh my point is so you're talking about like does this mostly stick in west virginia that particular story like their family um moved around a lot and it, but it's very like Grayson, Kentucky is about the furthest west um, they venture, and then there's Logan, and then um, a little bit up in like one of their 
one of the families is in Columbus. There's an event, again, like three generations back that sort of uh, split that family up into different um, places. They moved, some of them moved away. And, um, you know, we talked to them too. So it's mostly West Virginia, this particular story, but I also, like when I named it and came up with the idea of doing it in Appalachia, I was interested in the area mm-hmm. in general. Because yeah. there's stuff that ties in from, like Logan has a lot of, like there are things that relate it to Point Pleasant a lot too. Well, so, which, which I'm sure we were going to bring up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> you can't not. I mean, we've had yeah. so many West Virginia friends on here. And of course, we're always talking about Point Pleasant and, and injured cold and all that fun stuff and Flatwoods and all the goodness. Right. You so. know, the, the Mothman. Uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned uh, the thing about Al. So, um, uh, like two weeks ago, uh, I was uh, driving a back road uh, to go over and uh, take my daughter to basketball practice. Um, and there's on this back road, there's a little bridge that goes over a creek. Um, and I was coming down the hill and I was approaching the bridge. And I just happened to look at the the like the, the guardrail on the bridge. And there's an owl sitting there in broad daylight. And it just like turns its head and looks at me and then watches me go like I'm looking at it. And I'm like, and it watches me like we make eye contact as, as I drive by. And I'm like, there was an owl in broad daylight sitting on a bridge. Like, what? <laughs> how, you know, when does that happen? So was that crybaby like, bridge, Josh? Because, you know, it Sleepy was not. Hollow. Oh, because there's no. a real famous crybaby bridge, yeah. Sleepy Hollow Road. That's literally like half same, a mile from Josh's house. <laughs> same road, but different, different part. Oh, yeah. okay. Do you remember what day that was? Oh goodness! Uh, I mean, it it would have definitely been a Tuesday because she had back to basketball practice on a Tuesday, and I would say, you know, it was probably about two weeks back on a Tuesday. Uh, so whatever, I don't have a calendar in front of me right now. Um, I do. It would have been the 29th of June. Of June. So yeah, and it was probably around. Uh, let's see, her basketball practices was at seven, so it was probably around like six thirty or so when I saw that Eastern time. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, I've, I've, my, my grandparents farm, uh, in Shelby County, uh, when I was little, they had a screech owl and, um, they had fixed up beds on the front porch because it was so hot and their, their house was built 1825. So they didn't have air conditioning. And so we were sleeping on the front porch with all the screens open and everything trying to cool off. And, um, like two o'clock in the morning, you hear this creak. And like this owl screech. <laughs> I was like, nope, I'll sleep in the hot house. <laughs> so. so that's, I would be real interested. I was just trying to look back through my emails and see when uh, John might've talked to you about this. I think I got the email from him on the 30th. So I'd be real interested. Oh, you're thinking. Yeah, I'm looking at that too. Yeah. It's the synchronicity. So it been the next day would have been, uh, when John would have emailed would have been the next yep, day. Yeah, would have been the next day owl. after that. Saw the owl the day before John emailed. Uh, yeah. So, well, that's, that's a synchronicity in the biz. In the biz, I think. <laughs> yep. Here in the biz, uh, we call that a synchronicity. So, or, yeah, or in so, Appalachia, we call it synchronicity. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, that's one of the. I mean. I don't know. At a certain point, I mean, you guys are probably 
the same way. You guys are like veterans of this way longer than I am. So I'm sure you're at this point already. But like at a certain point, I was just kind of like every one of these things that happens now, it's just kind of like, um, well, of course. Yeah, like I'm even, telling you, if yeah. I sneeze and fart at the same time, I write it down now because I'm like, <laughs> something just happened. Like, <laughs> like, that's where it's gotten. It's gotten that bad where everything yeah. is, is connected. I don't know. Well, you know, you, it's like, um, like I was, I was so, so last night uh, I was out, you know, we were talking about it earlier. I was out on, the, on my property looking with my night vision at the sky. And so, and I caught this really weird UFO thing. Not not anything you know explainable. It, it is really a UFO because it's not a satellite. It's not the International Space and so on and so forth. But anyways, uh, when I was editing the video to put up on YouTube, I left a lot of stuff in that I had like noticed with my camera, like a cluster of stars that I'd never seen before, and a cluster and like th- these little things, because I really don't know if like maybe me seeing that is what prompted me to see this other you know this ufo to do a flyby and so you don't really ever know what is related um and so you don't want to just rule it out as just happenstance or or whatever the case would be because because i mean it, it could be related to an experience that you later had um and so it, it, but the problem is is that you you end up keeping everything it's like a it's like a video hoarder paradise here. So, um, so yeah, that, that's part of the, like, at least I perceive at this, at my, you know, this young stage in this realm <laughs> that, uh, that could be a danger, right? Is like the, um, you just get addicted to that, that feeling mm-hmm. of, oh man, it's all connected. But at the same time, this stuff keeps happening to the point where you're like, <laughs> You can't really deny it. Right. But it, uh, I just found a, a memory popped up on Facebook from 11 years ago when I was married. And apparently someone 11 years ago uh, tied one of those owl statues onto the car that we drove away with. Where, you know, they tie all the crap to the yeah. back of your car. And like, <clears throat> I'm sure, of course, that means nothing. Of course. Right. But in the situation that you're in now, you're like, what if, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell you, I'm telling you, synchronicity in the paranormal and just paranormal in general, it's becoming a, the new spirituality. I mean, we talk yeah. about it with our wives all the time um, that it is essentially our spirituality. I mean, it has become this religious thing for us because there is that same excitement that I used to get at an altar call when I see something in the sky that I've checked all my apps and I can't explain, or when I I feel a hand on my shoulder and no one's in the room, that's it gives me that same hope, that same, uh, well, even I grew up Catholic too. So I grew up Catholic and then became a Southern Baptist when I moved to Kentucky. So I've experienced both sides of the rainbow. Right. And so it's like, at the same time, there's that fear of God, you know, it's like, here's that fear at the same time. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like it's it's exciting. It's exhilarating again. Well, it's, it's, and it's that and endorphins. It's, it's also, I mean, for me, um, and, it, and it sounds like word. It might be a little bit of this for you, but it's, um, if you like a mystery and you like getting to the to the solution of a mystery, you like solving problems. And so, um, here's all the stuff that's kind of been presented to you. And one of the things that probably hangs me up the most is is that I don't think I'll ever be able to solve this problem. But that doesn't stop me from trying to trying to solve it, right? Yeah. So, sometimes it's about the journey, right? 
Um, and, it, and it has really, I mean, it, the last uh, 18, 19 months uh, since I really got heavy into doing this with Stefan on the podcast has really changed my outlook on, on a lot of things and, yeah, and I mean, how I approach a lot of things. It's becoming a show, which it is still a show, but it is more about this mystery and this path for us, this I mean, journey. Yeah, to every, every Thursday we go to church. So Every Thursday. And we find, I mean, I'm telling you, the guests, we, we will hypothesize for months about something and never tell anybody but each other we'll have a guest come on and just drop it and be like yeah so blah 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 and we're like wait what like and we just the guests that come on all the time we find all these synchronicities and similarities and uh you know these uh, answers to some of these smaller questions on the journey right that's uh, so best of luck to you because you're not gonna stop well yeah yeah it's um (laughs) It, it will it will consume you uh, for sure. And you know my my, my biggest thing for a word to the wise is uh, just pause and come up from air from time to time because uh, it it can it can start to beat you down. I mean we we came back from Point Pleasant uh, last September um, and for like three days we're like full of paranoia. We thought you know well like black helicopters were flying over stuff and they were flying over me one they were landed ran- in a field next to my yeah, work one in a field next to your work unmarked black yeah. landed then went back up started hearing all <laughs> kinds of crackling wrong. yeah <laughs> crackling noises on our phones and stuff it yeah, was just yeah. like the paranoia really just took over <laughs> during all that stuff and you know it's probably all just random things you know bad network connection mm-hmm. or whatever but because we had just come back from point pleasant and everything we had done there it just you know felt overwhelming so just yeah you know take a deep breath and process it yeah one of the um one of the guys that uh that worked with me on this who i was i was in i'm incredibly indebted to um did paranormal investigation for like 14 years and um was at one point uh, practicing occultist doing rituals and stuff and um it helped me both discern a lot of the things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's since converted to Christianity, and um, it was helpful to have somebody that's seen, uh, that's been been in both. You know, mm-hmm. and um, to I don't know help help discern some of the stuff that uh, we were seeing coming across, and also to be like. Because occasionally, like, I got a little bit, like, way, you know, too far down that rabbit hole. Um, and so it's helpful to have somebody who could be like, nah, you might want to chill out for a minute. So yeah. I appreciate the advice, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the same thing. You know, like, there is a big difference between black magic and Wicca. You know, Wicca is very light, and it's all about healing and, and earth and things like that, you know. But it's like if you're coming in and there's a ton of black candles and there's some crazy shit going on, it's probably not Wicca and you need to know, hey, you need to back up. Or it's like, hey, this is nothing. This is literally a guy lighting a candle. Uh, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, it does. Because when you aren't immersed in something, all you have is Hollywood giving you answers most of the time. And so you can't help. But I mean, I do it with things that I'm not immersed in and mm. and, and you can't help but be, oh, God, is this what it is? And so I, I like that. I like that you've got the people that you need to help you discern good or bad, right? You know, and that's super important. Yeah, I think one of the um, one of the things that I've learned and that was real helpful from him, and I mean, this is the same 
you know, this is John Keel and Valet and, mm -hmm. but the, um, because there's this veil there, you don't know, you, you can say how something is representing itself to you, right? but you don't know, right? Yeah. Like I'm capable of lying. So I would assume something on the other side is capable of lying as well. So like, I always keep that kind of in the back of my mind. Like that's what hesitates me from being like, it's the same entity. <laughs> right, like, yeah. Like, well, yeah. you could pretend to be anything, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so like this thing, at least appears to be pretending to be like a discernible entity with a name that's very old. Right. And, uh, but who knows? I mean, I could, you know, I can dress up as John Wayne. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we had um, a guy, if you're not familiar with him, M.R. Gorga. Um, he is big into demonology. We had him on the show. He has a really great book called Demons Among Us highly recommend it uh, but we had him on the show and um he's talking a lot about it too you know he's like the whole thing that a demon does is lie and pretend and it doesn't matter he can pretend to be evil or he can pretend to be good it it doesn't matter that's his jam that's that's what he does you know like he could tell you he's this and this to make himself seem more scary I mean, or what it just doesn't matter and then he's a used car salesman lies right yeah you know, he's a car salesman so he's, he's just trying to do whatever he needs to do to get you into that volts so yep. yeah they crave that spotlight it, you know if they definitely exist they definitely crave that spotlight um but i did want to swing it back around back to the dock itself um now uh does this dock focus mostly on that family or, or or i know you had said there was another family as well i'm sure for just comparison's sake um but mostly we're following this family and and so were they cool with that were they or was it their idea like how did they get involved so Kristen, the girl who mm -hmm. was baptized, um, after I suggested it to Josh that, hey, can I come just shoot an interview? You know, it might be an interesting, it's an interesting story. Yeah. Nonetheless, right. Um, after I got to talk to her mom, who her mom was reluctant to, to talk. Sure. And, and understandably so, like right. when she gets into um, stuff with her family and, you know, old stuff and um it, we sort of uh it appears that there's there are two kinds of ties there's a family tie where everyone in uh heather that's Kristen's mother everyone in her extended family that's surviving and that we are able to speak with has had interactions with uh shadow figures Thunderbird sightings and or interactions with very large owls. And it, it does. I mean, within my experience, especially with my family's like that too, it goes back generations. So there is a familial, you wonder if it's genetic, right? Or, or is it just You're like imprinted. a curse upon a family, yeah. so to speak. Right. And even like we got their, uh, Kristen's, I believe grandmother or great grandmother was, um, pure blood native American, um, ah, oh, I was gonna say it, princess isn't the right word. There's a there's a different word, like great woman or mm -hmm. something like that. But anyway, like a, a revered, and we <coughs> we wondered if that might be connected to uh, Princess Ericoma, who is the daughter of Chief Cornstalk. Chief ah, Cornstalk, definitely know Chief Cornstalk. Yeah, yeah. His daughter was buried at, in Logan. 
huh. under Logan County Courthouse. Quinky dink. Mm, yeah. When they <laughs> the hotel that was buried on her burial site burned down, and when they dozed it, uh, they discovered under that hotel uh, like fifty plus Native American bodies. Ooh, on that's bad one mojo. Of, <laughs> on one of the bodies, uh, one of the children, I think it was a male child, had a necklace with a gorget that depicted a bird man. Um, so I'm, I'm saying all that to say there are, and, uh, I don't know how recently you've read Mothman prophecies. I <clears throat> read it last year. So, yeah. Okay. There are Thunderbird sightings and sightings of large flocks of large birds associated with the Mothman flap. There are at least two or maybe three, I think, recorded in Keel's book. Um, and so there seems to be, like, there's the family tie, but then there's also, like, a geographical tie that mm-hmm. I don't know how the two interact. Like, what I'm doing in the doc, I'm really trying to avoid... Um, putting my meta narrative on it. I mostly want a platform for these people to tell their stories. Right. Yeah. Like to some degree it's inescapable, right? Like um, I would say, and I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but I, I would say that you can't really escape your worldview that if you don't think that you have one that's affecting you, you're probably more of a slave to it than like, than I am yeah. acknowledging that I have one. Right. Yep. I agree. With so that. acknowledging that I have one and mine is Christian, like, but I'm trying not to f- inevitably there's going to be some collaring of the subject matter from my worldview just because it's inescapable, but I'm trying to avoid putting that Marina narrative on it and just let people tell their stories. Yeah. And so it, I say that to say that I'm not saying that like, I know mechanistically how it works. Mm-hmm. I know that there's this family tie. I know that there's a geographical tie. I know there's a tie to place. The I know that Heather's uh, Heather grew up in a house in a town called Man, West Virginia, that's south of Logan by another like hour, so closer to Kentucky. And in this house, everyone that stays in this house that we talked to and that we heard secondhand um, experienced things in a particular room in this home. Um, one of the things that they experienced, and this this home is this is wild. I'm not a paranormal investigator, but. <laughs> I would imagine that you could have an absolute heyday at this house. It's insane. But anyway, the um, just the stuff looking at like the the numbers of things in the house, and we maybe we can get into it if it's interesting. But that um, anyway, one of the things that happened thirty years ago, uh, Heather's father was pushed down the stairs. He said they pushed me down the stairs. Okay, so some entity that's what he reported yeah pushed him down the stairs hard enough that he had a compound fracture in his shin jeez we go back the day after thanksgiving we go back to that house not with no introduction just to see if hey maybe these people let us in this is like the day after i heard all the stories about the house so i'm like well i don't know let's go see the people let us in and every experience that Heather's family had there is repeated now, 25, 30 years later. So there's something about place. that The, the big experience is the man who lived in that house 
was also pushed down the same staircase. Yeah. The holes so were still in the walls and he had a compound fracture in his collarbone. So it, it sounds, and that's what I was wondering, if it's happening 30 years later, it sounds like a residual haunt that just has a lot of activity with it to actually repeat itself yeah, for whoever happens say. to be there. I mean, but it, it almost, almost seems intelligently residual, like, which is... Weird. Right, it's like there. I don't. Maybe there's multiple things. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, there's a thing at the house, and then maybe there's a thing that follows the family. But the the stuff also followed the the part of the family that went to Columbus. Like they see shadow figures and stuff, and the shadow figures are a little different. They see a hat man, um, and but they see a female shadow figure, yeah. uh, in that house, and they see Thunderbirds in Ohio in Hilliard, Ohio. Um, at the same time, all the family in West Virginia does. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I mean, I have like thirty theories in my head right now. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna pick one. <laughs> I'm just gonna go with this. Like, you know, I've I, I've always been told because I have a lot of paranormal activity. My family, like I said, my goes back a long time. My grandmother, God, she had a, um, a, a spirit guide that she would invoke. My dad had a really bad back. She's this little five foot two old lady, but had the strength of a 300 pound man when she would invoke Lee, like her spirit guide, this spirit that came to her. And there's even more stories I've been learning about the spirit guide before Lee. Um, but this goes back generations and things like that, right? And so it's like, oh, is it hereditary? Or is it this thing? It's like, you know, we've always said, it's like people like, you know, there's people that are like, well, I've never seen it, so I don't believe it. But it's like, it's kind of one of those things. Once you see it, you can't not anymore. It's like, we always yeah. say, it's like getting a Jeep. All of a sudden you see Jeeps everywhere, right? You can't turn it off. And then there's also that whole idea that some people are magnets, you know, like um, I had a psychic once tell me that I was like a stage that they love to play on. That that was the best way he could describe it. He's like, God, you have like a legion of people that just follow you like these spirits. And I was like, really? I don't really notice them. He's like, no, you're like this, the spotlight, this, this stage that they just want to, they're attracted to. And so that made me think the way you were talking about it, it's like it almost was like could be multiple things what if they're like this magnet right it's like they walk into a space and it just like a lint roller just grabs on you know like it, it's yeah odd. or not or even I was, intentionally i was gonna say along that line along that magnetism line i was gonna reverse it and say maybe they're just like um uh an amplifier so they walk into a space and mm -hmm. their energy amplifies whatever is already happening in that space Mm, I like that too. I'm an amplifier. Yeah, I don't know. I know that it seemed the at least the pattern for the two generations that are surviving. So like no one that I could find from the third generation is able to talk, but I know that they had experiences that everyone sort of associated with the same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was but, saying they've had stories passed down. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah and but but one generation prior uh the Kristen's uncle so it would be heather's brother um was practicing a like a very similar set of eclectic um witchcraft practices that Kristen was without Kristen knowing that like she discovered that after I mean, like during our interview, she yeah. discovered a lot of the things that he was doing because I was asking the direct questions about like, because I was thinking about recreating it, like reenacting it, you know, mm -hmm. not for the sake of doing the ritual, but for the sake of shooting it. Right. And um, 
and yeah, there's a lot of like similarities. And one of the uh, like it, one of the main entities that that Kristen would seek to conjure and interact with um, was Lilith, okay, or Lilith. Mm-hmm. Craig, unbeknownst to Kristen, uh, Craig practiced whatever eclectic weirdness they were practicing um, with a um, I don't know if I don't know if transgender would be the correct term because it's like the 70s. Um, Right. And I don't know how. Yeah. But a, a person who wanted to be referred to as Lilith only. So Kristen worships this deity or invokes this deity named Lilith. Unbeknownst to her generation prior, her uncle is doing this. They both have exorcism experiences and they both are described by the people around them exhibiting the same behavior that led up to that. Um, Like being in a room alone, uh, in the dark, never coming out. violent outbursts, not remembering it, being like having out-of-body experiences, um, interactions with owls, bizarrely, like this one of the things that both of them have. Heather experienced with both of them on separate occasions that, again, Kristen did not know about. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so there, there's, it seems inescapable that there's some family element. Yeah. But the part well, that starts to get real weird is that there ha- it seems like there's another thing outside the family, maybe on the other side of that veil that's interacting um, and somehow, you know, keeps exhibiting the same pattern, even unbeknownst to them. So it, it's not like a uh, just a psychological pattern for them that's passed down. Well, the, what's uh, interesting, and I don't know if you know this or not, but Lilith, you know, long before the Hebrew version that came out way long after Lilith was Sumerian and she was actually winged and bird footed. So she was a winged and associated with owls. Yes. 100%. So I was like, Oh shit. It's, it's getting real now. And and, and Lilith, Lilith, the name actually means belonging to the night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Night goddess. Yep. Um, she's actually, so, I don't know how much I want to talk about this verbally. I know. I don't want you to give away. I don't want, yeah, don't give away that. <laughs> not even that. House either, but. <laughs> not even that. I don't know how much I want to vocalize. But, okay, so. <clears throat> Voldemort, Voldemort, Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, man, I mean, that's one of the things. I, I so people that are into the paranormal are typically more okay with people having other ideas right mm-hmm. about religion yep. or aliens yep. or whatever like i can talk with i don't you know we can disagree but i one of the things that um like when i started this i was like i don't know growing up in conservative christendom i don't know how much i want to talk and or think about this because there's this <laughs> idea that like you know like Voldemort, right is to talk about it is to invite it and um that was actually what we were talking about with Josh and I um, when we started this whole thing. And it's been an interesting test of faith. And I, maybe there's a, a similar experience for you guys, but it's been an interesting test of like, uh, which God are you going to fear? 
I guess. Yeah. Or like which one demand, you know what I mean? So like, I feel like this is a thing that I'm su- that's supposed, I'm supposed to do. It just, everything's sort of fallen together. It's a thing, a story I think I'm supposed to tell. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do it because, you know, which God am I fearing basically? Yeah. No, I, anyway. I, I get that 100%. You forget. I grew up Catholic, <laughs> yeah. Baptist, and then at a Southern Baptist college, I became Wiccan um, and uh, later on became Buddhist. And then I was Christo pagan for a while. And that's really where I had that issue where I was like, do I have to look at the other gods? I, I really went. Yeah, that's super interesting. Long phase and a lot of things. And really, at the end of the day, I. I'm really more eclectic. I'm constantly searching and finding what works for me, but it's like the more and more I uncover, the more and more I just realize how all of it is kind of related. So like, especially when you start looking at Sumerian stuff, you're just like, and then you're like, I think they were aliens. Y'all. I don't know. (laughs) Well, That's so this is really interesting. Another thing that's come from all of this is I've been reading, um, uh, do you know who uh, Michael Heiser is? Mm-hmm. Like does UFO conferences and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. And going back and now reading my Bible, understanding that there are references to ancient Near East myth. Like there's a rhetorical flourish going on. There's mm-hmm. places where Jude is referencing Enoch. Yep. Like uh, not saying that, whatever, what, the, leaving the theology of that aside, just acknowledging that apparently the people who are writing this are working from this Enochian common Mesopotamian framework where, you know, what Babylon and the Mesopotamian cultures believed made their culture superior was this contact with the divine who gave them technology, who gave them uh, magic, enchantment, root work, cosmetics, metallurgy, how to make war, all these things. Yep. So like, and that's a really common myth, like in most cultures. It all comes from that. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Um, There's, if you don't have Gaia, I highly recommend it. It's a great streaming service. Um, What is it? Ancient Civilizations. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. Great show. You need to watch. Um, But one of the things they talk about that we really, really liked is Adam is not a Hebrew word. It is. It is actually an ancient Mesopotamian Sumerian word that means um, animal. It means animal and Eden is also not a Hebrew word. It is actually Sumerian as well. And it means zoo. Um, And so it was the animals in the zoo. And so when you really start looking at ancient Sumerian myth and stuff like that, and the myth of humanity and stuff that these gods that came down, you know, and an allele and stuff like that, they had basically taken these animals (laughs) and pinned them up. And it's, it's crazy. It's really, really interesting stuff. And I love seeing where things come from because every religion is it's spawned by earlier cultures it's but you know um even christianity has evolved over the last two thousand years right it's not what jesus and the disciples had it is so far from that at this point everything changes and everything is kind of given from these earlier cultures and you know that's why i laugh i'm like we you know we always talk about the the jews being in egypt when there's really no proof of that we should really be talking about the jews being in like mesopotamia and that area and looking at the uh the history and the culture that came from that that helped spur that culture so it's really really interesting, especially when you get into back when the jews were polytheistic as well before they you know went straight to yahweh and things like that where did all those other gods come from and where did they go? Oh, I love religious well, history, man. <laughs> that's one of the, yeah, that's a really interesting thing that, again, like reading Heiser and Doug Van Dorn, mm-hmm. um, like 
we when we say as moderns when we say we're monotheists what a lot what we tend to mean by that is there's a uh, one god and then there's nothing else on the spiritual side of things except maybe angels and then bad angels right and like <laughs> right <laughs> that's not that's not the cosmology of second temple judaism that's not the cosmology no. of the authors of the new testament and i don't like i would argue i i don't do this in you know the doc again is is trying to avoid putting marinette right. inheritance on things but i think that it is a much more robust and uh it makes it makes the uh christian worldview much more robust and greater in explanatory scope and power to uh say that in you know in genesis 6 which is the enoch myth in in genesis that we're given a, f- a framework of categories for understanding what's going on and there's a lot more than just like good angels bad angels and then god like there's a lot more on that spiritual side and when you look through i mean you've probably done this when you look through scripture there are references to lots of other things oh yeah um Sons of God, elemental spirits. Um, We can we can go all day. I think we did all we we did monsters of the Bible. Yeah, it was one of our first episodes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then the lost books too. I mean, things like the Book of Enoch, and especially which I love, and and things like that. It's like there were a group of men that decided these are the books because we don't want the Gnostics to take over. You know, there are different things, but yet at the end of the day, it's like there were still other scriptures written, and there are other scriptures that are being found that were back at the time of the old testament that they're still finding new caves for things and stuff yeah. like that and you're like this worldview that they had was far more rich than we could ever imagine especially if you consider the time span of the jews and how much and the being um uh what do you call it when you ramble around you don't have a nomadic yeah you know that the early jews were I mean, they could have, they would be picking up everything they could just to fit in, to survive, to figure. I mean, that's why it's like when the, when Moses was up on the mountain and came back down and they were worshiping the idol, it wasn't like they made it up. It was one of their gods. They were already used to worshiping that provided something for them at that point because they were scared. They they weren't getting anything. They didn't know what else to do. So they did what they saw others and, do or they had yeah, done their own culture at yeah. that point so and, and thanks and thanks to all that happening that's why i only have 10 commandments because they broke the third tablet <laughs> so <laughs> i think one of the um yeah the the interesting thing about i would i guess you know i would argue that understanding that worldview that there was this um, this worldview of interaction across uh, that veil with um, you know Bene Elohim in Hebrew, the the sons of God in Genesis six and elsewhere, like mm-hmm. lots of elsewhere. Um, that understanding that as part of just every every culture has that. Yep. And if I'm understanding it from my worldview and then I go and read something like, um, well, okay, like uh, Christ at Caesarea Philippi, when it's recorded that he is a place, when he says something, there's a reason that he's there. And it, like we've read right past it like it's just a journalistic fact, but there's a reason that he's there. He's there at the base of Mount Hermon, right, where the watchers came down in Enoch to go into the Daughters of Men and create the Nephilim. 
he's there at uh, at the base of that hill. There's the temple to Pan, right? And so he's talking to Peter, and he says, uh, "Upon this rock, I'll build my kingdom, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it." Like they're looking at a temple to Pan. They're looking at mm-hmm. the place where the sons of God came down. So like, there's a re it, it enriches what you're. I don't know what's going on in the Bible is more than uh, what's immediately apparent reading it as a 21st century modern with a quasi like a functionally materialist worldview. So um, especially when you get into some, you know, looking at it, at trying to do your own translations as well. And um, our really good friend, we call him the theologian. He's a pastor and a good friend of ours. Um, he went to Israel last year. And one of the places they went to was that Temple of Pan on one of their big trips. And so he sent us pictures and all kinds of stuff. I had him get me a little small cup of dirt um, and like just cool stuff like that. So it's like, you know, because he knew our interest in it. And so it's like, what a what a, a synchronicity there that you bring that up, you know? <laughs> well, and, you know, something that, that we've talked about quite a bit. And, you know, I think, you know, when you talk about the enrichment of all the other stuff that's happening excuse me, in in biblical texts. But one of the things that really, when you think about the history, the recorded history of our people, uh, humanity, that being, um, up until like maybe 100 100 to 150 years ago, uh, maybe we'll we'll, we'll stretch it out to 200 years, um, we were very much in touch with all the things on the other side of the veil. You know, there were stories about fairies and fae and gnomes and all this other kind of stuff and 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 children uh green children that that walked out of a hillside right. in sweden you know like all of that stuff was just commonplace but for some reason in the last 200 years we've made it taboo right and we've made to be able to talk to or even acknowledge that those types of things exist is you're a crazy person and you need to be locked away um, I mean, you know, obviously that's not the case because this podcast is doing well and you're making a documentary about it and so on and so forth, but not documentary about this podcast. That'll come in later, but um, <laughs> we'll be in yeah. contact. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, there's, there's been a shift somehow in the way we approach these things. And so, um, you know, I, I've got two young kids. They'll be like seven in a, in a couple of days and they still very much believe in magic. Uh, they believe in unicorns and, and fairies and mermaids and all that kind of stuff. And I want them to hold on to that as long as they can, because uh, there's something that changes in yourself when one day you you decide not to not to believe that there is magic in the world. Um, and I and I think that you know as a society we would be better off for it if we embraced what our ancestors. Uh, are trying to to tell us or what they're trying to share with us or how they're trying to guide us and so on and so forth. I mean, I firmly believe my grandfather comes and visits me from time to time. I smell his cigarette smoke in my house. Like he always used to smoke this certain type of cigarettes and I smell it, you know, from time to time. Um, And I mean, I don't think he's here to, you know, possess me or make me do bad things. He's here to guide me. He's here to, you know, help me in, in a decision I'm trying to make or whatever the case would be. But for some reason, everybody who thinks that way has been kind of pushed off into the corner under the label of paranormal. Um, and then, you know, the rest of society just turns their back on it. So, so yeah, I mean, moment. sorry. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I think I'm, I'm hoping that 
one of the things that I can do for people that are, you know, like me in 2020, basically, like, like me before, I guess, um, is just, you know, show these people's experiences and then be like, what's, you know, what category do you have that explains it? And if, you know, because I don't think, and this is, it's scary to, like, I used to have a drawer, right, that I put a label on that just was like, nah, that's crazy. And anything that required, anything that was uncomfortable or that required uh, serious critical thought that was outside the mainstream, it was easy to just put in the drawer. Mm-hmm. And but to your point, you don't realize how much of humanity, particularly looking historically, how much of humanity you're just saying now they were liars yeah. or crazy. Right. And like how uh, I one of the things that really bothers me is like um, chronological snobbery that like because we're the newest, we must know a lot yeah. more. And like uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't agree with that. Well, and I, you know, we, we talked, um, I can't remember who it was we had on. It might've been when we talked to Kathleen Martin uh, a few weeks back. Um, and uh, we were talking about how um, we think uh, myself, Kathleen expressed a, a similar uh, thought that um, humanity, um, we have grown our technology beyond our spiritualism. Um, and that, that's something that our our ancestors are the people the generations that came before us uh whatever their religion or or whatever but they were very spiritualistic people um and that the next stage in order for humanity to move forward and embrace whatever is to come we have to catch back up our spiritualism with our technology um and that we're out of balance i think it was there's a quote that's been tossed around and I don't know if this is a paraphrase or, but it was from Einstein. It was like, basically, you know, uh, if, if your technology ever exceeds your humanity, then, you know, you're in deep shit basically is what it said. And that's, uh, that's kind of where we are. Josh. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of where we are. Right. I mean, we're, we're, we're getting to that point. And so um, I think for us to really move forward, we have to remember where we used to be from a, from a people, from a spiritualistic, you know, uh, race of people and, and readopt uh, or apply some of those things to help us uh, process the unknowns that are happening in the world and not just sweep it under the rug. Yep. And, and I will add to that and say 2020 was actually really good for that. Um, I was reading an article the other day was talking about uh, there was almost three times uh, the amount of paranormal sightings, and I'm speaking specifically of ghosts and stuff, uh, during 2020 than any year ever on record because so many more people were actually at home and they weren't at work being distracted and driving and things like that so they were actually paying attention to things a lot more and that there were more cases of the paranormal and people talking about it than any other year on record almost three times as much and so i think I think the pandemic was a really good thing for us in a lot of ways. In one ways, it connected us to our technology more, but it also connected us to our families and homes again, um, which was really interesting um, because people were so desperate for people that they were talking across fences. You know what I mean? Like for the first time and um, 
things like that. So I, I find that very interesting. So I just wanted to add that to yours, Josh. Yep. Um, I, I just want to, I want to be mindful of time. I know we've been going here for uh, a little over an hour and I want to be respectful of your time and, and, uh, and, and not make this into a four hour conversation. Although it certainly, <laughs> I know could it's be a good because, one more, man. Because I'm glad I, you're here. <laughs> because no, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, but, uh, I, so I wanted to just kind of start to wrap up a little bit and, and I wanted to, you know, we always ask, or we try to ask, um, all of our guests that come on. Um, you know, so if, if somebody's here to talk about ghosts, we ask them how they feel about Bigfoot or aliens or whatever. But I think that we've kind of talked about Everything. things across <laughs> the gambit uh, here tonight. And so I'll ask the question this way. Is there is there anything uh, that you've come across in the paranormal space that you're just really having a hard time process? You're you're going to put it in that drawer that you spoke of. You might get it out later and look at it. But for right now, it's going to go in the drawer. Hmm. So, you know, I, a lot of the, uh, so another, like another driving factor across 2020 was the number of friends that I had that were kind of, um, that were embracing different, I even hate, I hate to use the term conspiracy theories because a lot of them I think are, are plausible at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's helpful. I mean, as a, as a category, everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say that. So, um, and I guess I'm still taking a very like wait and see kind of approach to all of those, particularly about things that are happening like right now. Um, just because the realization of how much craziness was true and that we wouldn't know about if not for, you know, the church committee. Um, it makes, again, it makes that threshold of, no, nah, that's just crazy. They wouldn't do that or they couldn't keep that secret. That threshold's just so high now. So like the the common, here's an, a less politically controversial example, I guess. The idea that Eisenhower met in 45, 47 with uh, an extraterrestrial Valley while he was supposed to yeah yeah while he was supposed to be getting his his teeth did um <laughs> like given my so given this you know a new framework i have a category that makes sense of okay i can see how i might plausibly believe that something like that happened hmm. but um it's real you know it's way out here on the target uh, right. Like it's way out on the things that I suspect. Well, are you familiar with Andy Colvin? He's a West Virginia guy. Um, he's Dang. an author and a publisher. He published um, the stuff with injured Col or with Woody Derenberger and injured cold and all that. <laughs> um, and his daughter's stuff. He's he's a huge West. He's from Point Pleasant and all that stuff. Well, he is. He's pretty, and he published these books. So I think he kind of knows, but he kind of gave us the wink, wink, nudge, nudge that most of the Valiant Thor stuff that's out there was written by Gray Barker, which is another West Virginia guy that was there with mm -hmm. John Keel and all that stuff, that it was Gray Barker that wrote all of the Valiant and started the Valiant Thor theory and everything as kind of a way to kind of compete with Indrid Cold, so to speak, um, to kind of put it on a higher level because it was hot and different stuff like that. But that's Andy's theory. I don't know uh, how much traction well, is there, but you know, but, but the, but the, but the book stranger at the Pentagon, 
um, predates mm-hmm. most of the books that Barker wrote. So, and Stranger at the Pentagon talks about Valiant Thor and the meeting with the president and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So, but anyways, um, well, I'm just it, it, glad Ward that you didn't say that. You know uh, that all the uh, upper echelon of the uh, of the world are lizard people. I mean, that's that's one that's out there too. So, <laughs> I watched Doctor so. Who. They're called Silurians. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, but Ward, uh, we're gonna get you out of here, man. Thank you so much. We like we said, we don't want to uh, drag things on, um, but we did want to give you an opportunity to plug everything um, because I told you you had me at accidental exorcism. I'm already in, um, but I'd love for you to take a second to talk about Dark Holler and 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 Lord TV as well because I've been checking it out while we've been talking and I'm I've already signed up, so I'm excited to be a beta tester. Let's do this. So, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh... Yeah, first, the documentary, um, so it's a series. It's a doc series. So right. some of the, the strangeness we don't get heavy into for a, a few episodes because I'm kind of taking you on the only, you know, my journey going through it, mm-hmm. too, is discovering these things as they happen. So so it is um, kind of your POV as well. Yeah, I try. I like oh, that. man, I hate. Uh, I, I love everything that Jeremy Corbell puts out. I will watch. <laughs> but it drives me nuts like how frequently he's in front of the camera. I hate being in front of the camera. It makes me uncomfortable being on the zoom call, like looking at myself. So I love it. So I will play. you. <laughs> okay. But it's like, I get how sometimes putting it together, it's almost inescapable that you have to set up a little bit. So like I'm in there a couple times in the first episode, but I try not to do that as much yeah. as I can. I want it to be these people telling their right. stories when it gets to the stuff that we actually experienced on the ground in the later episodes, it's just necessarily sure there. Um, but yeah, so the documentary, uh, the, you know, we start with Kristen and her experience and then it, it it goes back from there and kind of as much, uh, information as we can, we can give on that. Um, and then it ends with some pretty bizarre stuff like in that house. And then what happens when we get back from that house? Um, so yeah, I, I've been, I've always wanted to make something that I wanted to watch, and I'm pretty proud of, uh, at least this this first episode that's that's done. Um, I'm pretty proud of it, and I'm, I think that the story's really really interesting. Um, so I don't know, I'm excited about it, and yeah, lore, um, lore is really interesting. If you like, they will deliberately kind of post some inflammatory stuff for the purpose of trying to be a place where you know like if there's a Matt Stone or a Trey Parker out there yeah that doesn't feel like their stuff could get made right now like that's what kind of what they're trying to shoot a flare up in the sky and be like hey uh come here so um but I happened to know one of the guys that started it and uh when he saw I think the first uh teaser that I put together he was like I want that so um yeah, I were super grateful that they've given a home to Dark Holler at the time. So, uh, websites, uh, com, And on like Facebook and Instagram, we're at Dark Holler Film. And then there will be a page at lore.tv too. I'm excited. Do we have any idea of when we can possibly see this? Uh, I'm not allowed to say. Uh, <laughs> not a <laughs> I've been saying soon and 
yeah, I'm I'm hoping for. I guess I could say that it's not saying anything about what I know. <laughs> I'm hoping. I'm hoping for August. So fantastic. Well, please let us know because we will share the hell out of this. Um, I am so super pumped about it. And uh, Josh will tell you, I don't blow sunshine up people's asses. I'm legit mean this. I'm very, very pumped about this. Everything you've talked about is right up my alley. And yep. I cannot wait to see Dark Holler. Ward Heine, director of Dark Holler, going to be on Lore.TV. We cannot wait. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show and please come back anytime, especially when this drops. We'd love to have you come back, man. So Thank you guys so much. It's been a blast. Big, big thanks to uh, Ward Heine, man. Thank you so yeah. much, man. Uh, Dark Holler, I cannot wait for this to drop. Um, I'm so very excited. Uh, I'm just, and it's just a, man, just a great conversation tonight. I mean, just, uh, yeah. I mean, you guys aren't even privy to the unrecorded conversation that we had for an hour afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, yeah. Ward, you are an exceptional human being, man. And I'm excited to, to follow your journey, my friend. Uh, so, uh, and I'm looking and, forward and, to catching you know, up soon. So get together and, 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 and do some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so. man. That's what I'm talking about. Um, but Josh, it's, it's getting late brother. So, uh, I want to get out of here. Um, but, I did want to say uh, I sped through because I was so excited about getting to the Ward interview that I forgot we uh, that you had told me you had some creepy ketchup. So we're going to do some post interview. Yeah. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. All right, so creepy ketchup, Josh. What do you got here? Because I have nothing. I was sick all last week, like I said. So I slept. I, I I did have super weird dreams where I dreamed of my basement three nights in a row, and it like changed size and different things like that, like from when I was a kid. Um, but that's it. It wasn't really creepy. It was just weird, weird. that I dreamed about my basement yeah. three nights in a row. <clears throat> so what, um, what's your creepy ketchup? I know we talked with Ward a little bit about the UFO you caught and we posted that online as well, yeah. but what else you got going on? So, so of course there's that. So when I was out recording uh, for that, and I've, I've got another video that I still have to edit from what I was recording last night for UFO stuff, but um, so I, I walked around to the front of my house because like I caught that really bright one and then like I came out from checking to make sure it wasn't an airplane and walked around the front of the house hoping I could catch it you know still out in the distance mm -hmm. it was gone but anyway so I've, I pretty much recorded the rest of the night out there out in the front of the house so I'm staying in there uh, in the middle of the road in the dark um, and uh, it's funny because normally like six or seven months ago I would have felt really vulnerable and exposed but I didn't feel that way last night it was really interesting the way my mind has shifted it I guess but Anyway, so I'm staying there and I'm just, you know, I'm looking straight up the sky, you know, looking at the stars and stuff. And I hear Joshua. Ooh. Especially, and you I, know, I hear my name called yeah. all the time. It's creepy. Every and I like, and I like, I bring, I mean, like immediately, like I bring the night vision down and I'm like looking like around me. And to you're see, probably like, like, bitch, why are you using my full name? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then like so like i didn't see anything and i was like i just kind of shrugged it off and then i went back to to looking at the stars so then i started hearing like really heavy like heavy breathing around me uh i was hearing like footsteps around me i mean just there was a lot and and there was it was crazy because there was a lot of activity going on in the sky like interacting with things and then there was activity going on around me it was, just, it was like 
in the interview tonight, we talked about magnets or something or amplifiers, you know, maybe that yeah. little, some of that was going on, but, um, but yeah, it's like the more, and more also, you get into it, the more and more you up yeah. the ampage on your amplifier too. Well, and, and you know, I, I, every night when I go to bed, I ward, uh, I ward my house, but I was, you ward Heine your house. Yep. So I was far outside of the, the reaches though, of any warding, uh, that would have happened there. So I, you know, there's who knows what was out roaming around where I was in the, in the clutches, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was the only thing that was really, um, you know, just, again, I kept hearing noises. And then that one time I heard something whisper my name. So, uh, very, that Ooh. was about it. Yeah. <laughs> if that's enough, I don't know if that's enough. No, that's enough, dude. Just the Joshua alone is more than enough. Um, especially using your full, for a yeah. full first name, you know, not, you, you are not on friend status with them. So <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, well, thanks for sharing that, Josh. Um, I know we need to wrap up, but I do want to get to our encounter from the Fearscape. Got a really cool encounter uh, from a person uh, named Robert from the Sunshine State of Florida uh, that we got this encounter from the Fearscape from them. So go ahead and take a listen to this true encounter. So this is the first ghost I remember encountering. Uh, I was probably five or six at the time. Uh, I shared a, a bedroom with my brother in the back right of the house. Uh, one night I got up and had to use the restroom. So I opened the bedroom door and started out into the hallway. As soon as I did that, a, a, a girl with white hair and a white dress started passing me. And, and I, I know that sounds cliche, but I, I remember thinking that I didn't know who she was or, or what she was doing there. And I glanced at her for a moment as we passed each other. Only when I got past her did it strike me that she had no feet or anything below the white dress. This frightened me horribly, so after staying in the bathroom for at least a half hour in fear, I slowly crept out and knocked on my sister's bedroom door. She had the bedroom in front of mine, and I woke her up and I asked if I could sleep in there, and she was annoyed, of course, because she's my sister, but she went ahead and let me. Uh, I slept in there, and I, I, I never saw that figure again. That much I do remember, um, which is odd because a lot of my childhood I cannot remember for some reason, but I will never forget the girl in white with no feet. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, interesting that he said he didn't remember a lot of his childhood. I'm like, ooh, is it repressed, regressed? Like, what's going yeah. on? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what woman in right is, I mean, he said it's cliche, but cliche doesn't mean it's not accurate. It doesn't happen. Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know why, but yeah, and a girl too. Not even a woman in white, but a girl and girl in white. Girl, yeah, so. maybe it was his sister astral traveling. <laughs> I mean, you know, we talked about that. You know, maybe yeah. it is. So who knows? I don't know. But thank you, Robert. Uh, you can send your encounters to us. Uh, anything if you've encountered a UFO sighting, a Sasquatch, a ghost, or just you've got an old 
piece of folklore or legend that's been passed down in your family like uh, Ward was talking about things stories that got passed down we'd love to hear those as well uh, also just a reminder um, please uh, support us on our Patreon we have our new Patreon set up with all sorts of new levels um, we've got some really great tiers that are out there um, not just wristwatch if you're interested in following the uh, Terry wrist journey um, we would very much love for you to follow that the man that uh, claims to be Terry wrist is always getting deeper and crazier and uh, stuff like that and if you want to know more about that that's one of the tiers or just you know get onto any of the tiers there we've got some cool perks that you can get uh, but you can get that patreon.com slash pod or just go to fearscapepodcast.com slash support um, as well as go to our store and get shirts and stuff because you know mugs socks socks, whatever you know underwear no there's i don't think we have underwear we we need some underwear though we we need Um, some boxers we do um but anyways yeah just want just always remind you um because we do have some q a's coming up that's going to be patreon only especially talking about terry wrist and if you want to be a part of that um you know uh, we got some really cool information we have not shared yet yeah even on patreon so uh get on there um but other than that josh you got anything else before we rock and roll sir uh, no, just, you know, a reminder, uh, review, review, share, share, whatever, you know, it's, you know. It's all, it all helps us out. It does. Uh, we love you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. Make sure to check out all the other podcasts on the Fearscape Media Network um, that are out there, fearscapemedia.com. Such great shows. Uh, but we are going to get out of here. My name is Stefan, and uh, I love you guys, but keep your eyes to the skies. This has been Josh. The truth is now. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight. Things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support.